As coronavirus infections and unemployment rates continue to rise, politicians refuse to come up with a plan, and the guys who killed Ahmad Arbery are arrested. My name is Sean Clinton, and this is the God of Freedom Show. Alrighty, so I hope everyone has had a great week. I'm happy Friday. We have a lot to get to today, so let's not waste time here. Let's jump right into it. So, um, I was actually going to start with um, the Ahmad Aubrey case because I mean, there's a lot to talk about there, and of course, a lot to talk about the coronavirus stuff too. So, um, a lot more to talk about the coronavirus. So, I'm just going to start with the story and move on to the coronavirus stuff. But, anyways, I'm sure like probably a lot of people have heard this story by now but basically back in February actually there was this guy named Ahmad Aubrey who was like, simply jogging um, in his neighborhood you know taking for a morning jog and then some two guys who who say that he was involved in some burglaries in the area even though there's no evidence of any like multiple burglaries there's actually one and that was at a construction site someone ran through a construction site and there's really not much evidence that he was, this guy was involved in it. So, being like overzealous, these guys, two guys, and then some other um, two other people, decided to chase him down, and then like stop in front of him as he was jogging, and then um, came, confronted him with a shotgun. And you know, when, okay, just think about it, if you're, if you're just jogging, and then some guys like come up to you with a shotgun, I mean, and if you fear for your life, and you have every right to defend yourself, so what the, um, Ahmad did, that he actually went in and tried to grab the shotgun from them and tried to disarm them because he didn't know if they were going to shoot him or not. And then um, when he tried to do that, they guess they had a tussle, and then the guy shot him, and then two other guys uh, shot him too, and he was killed. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a very, very bad case and here's actually the guy actually a video that came out was it which is what actually started the whole outrage over it so i'm actually playing the video and uh fair warning um is this is a pretty graphic video so if you want to you can uh skip over and it's about like a 31 second long video so skip over that if you want but just um air inside the costume for this video but here it is right here So this all, I mean, you didn't, didn't actually see him get physically shot. I mean, it's not, I mean, it's not really good graphic video, but still, it is still pretty disturbing. And obviously, this is, this is murder, obviously. I mean, there's no justified reason why these folks should have, like, gone out of him in the first place. Because, I mean, again, there's no evidence that he actually committed a crime in the recent past. I mean, yes, he was, he has, had a, has a criminal history. I mean, he was, like. I believe like brought a gun on like school property years ago or something like that and then was involved in like shoplifting um a few years back too but I mean again that does not really play a relevance into this case because again he there's no evidence that actually was involved in any burglaries or at all so I mean the only incident that happened is that he may have gone through a construction site and the last I checked, that's not really illegal to go through an instruction site, especially if you're just running through it. So, um, the kind of uh, really lay out case of like criminality against these uh, guys who shot him, um, there's a piece in uh, the dispatch by uh, David French, and he has, he is gonna scratch site. Oh, guys, um, he actually has a really Let's add a really good case for charting these guys. But here is here's what it says. 
On Tuesday, my friend Jane Kostin, Kostin at Vox emailed me a link to a 30-second, 36-second video clip showing it in graphic detail in the killing of the killing in Brunswick, Georgia, of a young black man named Ahmad Arbery. Jane wanted to know what I what I thought. I've watched the video and I've watched it again. I read the police report and the prosecutor's explanation of his decision not to seek an arrest warrant and the relevant experts of 911 calls reported in local media. I'm ready to tell you what I think. So obviously the video I actually showed was not the full video. I mean that was just the only video I could actually find. Everyone, everything else had like a new story attached to it or not. So I'm not going to actually post the link to this. Um, this article in the description below so you can kind of go through yourselves and there's multiple links to like a police report and 911 calls and all that in the full video but anyways it continues right here Ahmad Arbery's killers should be arrested and tried for murder their vigilant action took less Looks less like the heroic actions of armed citizens up upholding the law and more like an old-time posse executing a vile form of street justice on a young man, unarmed black man. On young, unarmed black man. Let's walk through the events. Grab some coffee. This is going to take some time. Just after 1 p.m. on February 23rd, a person called 911 to report a black man in a white shirt walking in a house under construction. Excerpts of ex excerpts of the 911 transcript come from the Brunswick News. In that call, he made it clear that there was no immediate break-in. And here's where the 911 call said: "There's a guy. Um, there's a guy in the house right now. It's under construction." The man told the dispatcher. The man then given at gave her an address. And you said someone's breaking in too right now? The dispatcher asked. No, the man replied. It's all open. It's under construction. The man interrupted to say Aubrey was leaving, and there he goes right now. That's fine, dispatcher said. I'll get police out there. I just need to know what he was doing wrong. We just, what, was he just at the premises or, or not, not supposed to be? The next sentence is garbled. garbled. He, has been, he has been caught on the camera a bunch, night, a bunch at night. Is kind of an ongoing thing. This man, this, this man building the house got has got heart issues, I think he's not going to finish it. Okay, that's fine, the dispatcher said. And you said he was a male in a black in a black t-shirt? White t-shirt, the man said. A black guy in a white t-shirt. He's done run into the neighborhood again. Minutes later, another person called 911. Here's how the Brunswick News described the conversation. I'm out here at Satellite Shores, the man, the man said. There's a black man running down the street. Where at Satellite sh Shores? The dispatcher said. I don't know what street we're on. The man replied. Stop. He, he can be heard shouting. Watch that. Stop. Damn it. Stop. Then th that, that, ugh, goodness. that call went blank for several minutes with the dispatcher trying several times to reach the caller. The call eventually hang hangs up. So obviously, from the 911 like calls, there was actually no report of crime. All his, all the guy said was that he was just running through a construction site, which is not a crime. Actually, it's not really a crime when it's open like that. I mean, unless he was taking stuff, which is again, there's no evidence that he did. He was just running through it. It's, it's not a crime at all. And then other 911 call words, there's a he's saying a black male running down the street. I'm sorry. I mean, when is that? Why is does that issue like? How's that emergency? Like, why do you need to call nine eleven nine one one for that? I mean, that doesn't make sense at all. all right, but the piece continues right here. At some point in his uh, sequence, a man named Gregory McMichael saw Arbery alleging hauling ass down the street. It's unclear at this point if Michael Michael was one of the nine one callers. Arbery's friends and family said that Arbery liked to stay fit and that he often went jogging in and around his neighborhood. M Mac McMichael told, told the police that 
there had been several break-ins in, in the neighborhood and the suspect was caught on surveillance video. Mc, McMichael grabbed his 357 Magnum revolver while his son Travis grabbed a shotgun and they pre began pursuing Arbery and the, their vehicle. Why did they arm themselves? Nick Michael said that he was concerned Arbery was armed because the other night he has seen him stick his hand his hands down his pants. Uh, what? I mean, okay. From the police report, it appears that there were two vehicles and three individuals involved in the chase. Michael said he tried to cut off Arbery down the road, so did an individual named um, Rowdy. Um, Mc, McMichaels then said, then says that he got into the bed of a pickup truck and continued the pursuit. Here's how the police report described the fatal um, final encounter. McMichaels stated that McMichaels stated they saw the un, unidentified male and shouted, "Stop! Stop! We want to talk to you." McMichael started and stated they pulled up beside the mail and shouted stop again at which time Travis ex exited his truck with a shotgun. McMichael start stated the unidentified male began to violently attack Travis and the two men then started fighting over the shotgun at which point Travis fired a shot and a second later there was a second shot. McMichael stated the male the male fell face down on the pavement with his hand under his body. Nick Michaels stated he rolled over the man over to, over to see if the male had a weapon. As Arbery approached the truck, he was wearing what looked like a work, what looked like workout clothes and running with his hands in clear view. He was not holding a weapon. If you watch the video, you can um, already spot the one clear problem. The video doesn't depict McMichael pulling up beside Arbery, but it says shows him waiting and blocking the road with his truck. Arbery changed direction to avoid the truck. Travis McMichael moved to intercept Arbery while he um, holding his shotgun. The two scuffled. It's not clear who who initiated contact, and then Travis fired three shots. And it right here. Some context: The Brunswick News, thank God for digital and local media, noted that only one burglary, burglary has been reported to local police since um, between January 1st and the day of the shooting. On January 1st, someone allegedly stole a nine-millimeter handgun from a pickup truck outside Travis McMichael's home. A Brunswick resident named Larry English also told the Daily Beast that someone stole uh, $2,500 stole $2, in fishing equipment from his property, an alleged loss he did not report to the police. It is also worth noting that Greg Michael is a former police detective investigator, investigator for the Brunswick District Attorney's Office, according to the New York Times. According to um, Glenn County District Attorney Jackie Robinson, Jackie Ro Johnson, recusing herself from the case because of Nick Michael's um, prior work for her office. A second district attorney, George Bar Barhill, also stepped away from the case, and but not before writing a letter explaining why he believed there is a insufficient probable case to issue arrest warrants at this time. So, so yeah, it continues right here. His his argument was simple: the three men were in hot pursuit of a burglary su su suspect with solid first-hand pro probable cause in the effort to execute a citizen's arrest. Moreover, he argues open carrying weapons is lawful in Georgia, and the shooting occurred only after Aubrey attacked Travis McMichael and tried to grab the shotgun. Again, if someone came up with you, came up to you with a shotgun, like trying to stop you from like when you're jogging, I mean, I mean you have every right to try to defend yourself if you feel that your life is in danger at that point. 
So, I mean, the whole like stealth defense thing that these guys are trying to pull, it's not going to work. I mean, the, obviously, Arbery was trying to <laughs> commit do um, self defense himself. Georgia law does indeed permit a person to execute a citizen's arrest in a very narrow circumstance. The relevant false arrest statute holds that a private person may arrest an offender if the offense is committed in his presence or within his immediate knowledge. If the offense is a felony and the offender is escaping or attempting to escape, a private person may arrest him upon reasonable and probable grounds of suspicion. Once the, citizen, the citizen's arrest is properly made, Georgia law requires that a citizen to take a suspect before a judicial officer or a peace officer without any unnecessary delay. It is also true, however, that an unlawful attempt to take and hold a person itself is of a crime is is itself a crime, false imprisonment. Under Georgia law, a person commits the crime of false imprisonment when in violation of a the person personal liberty of another. He arrests, he arrests, confines, or detains such a person without legal authority. Moreover, according to the Georgia's case law, you one cannot use this citizen's arrest statute to question a suspect. In fact, they stated, in stating an in, intention to question a suspect can be evidence that the individual claiming a right to make a citizen's arrest is uncertain and did not have immediate knowledge that the victim had been the perpetrator of an alleged crime. Now, now here's what um, French puts that law into, into this case right here with the facts. Now let's apply the law to the facts. On the day Arbery died, a 911 caller said a man matching Arbery's description was walking inside a vacant construction site. Another caller said that there was a black male running down the street. Gregory, Gregory McMichael claimed he recognized Arbery from surveillance video, surveillance video after several break-ins in the neighborhood. The only offense committed in anyone's presence is the report of a person walking to a construction site. If that mayor so mounted up an, arm, an armed three-person, two-vehicle posse to chase down a man in broad daylight and menace, menace him with um, weapons, then many of us are lucky to be alive and free. Just like just last week, I walked into a house under construction in my neighborhood and took out some new floor plans. I didn't even think to check for an armed gang charging down the street. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, so he basically goes through a case, due to facts, facts by facts, to make a case that there's definitely, like, unlawful, like, this is unjustified murder all the way around. First of all, there's no, again, no evidence that this um, robbery guy committed a crime, like, none, and, I mean, they had no justification to actually do a citizen's arrest. So... I mean, again, it's like two some guys with guns suddenly came up to try to stop you when you're jogging. I mean, what what, is, what else are you supposed to think? Then they're trying to harm you. So I'm I'm sorry. I mean, there's no there's no defense of this. There's actually no defense these guys can make or anybody else can make in terms of them. So I'm gonna continue on with that and just um, just a little bit. But first, you gotta go over to YouTube or the Gotten Freedom blog to actually see the rest of the episode. So not only we're gonna get to the rest of this, um, the news um, today. Also, I'm gonna be going through the book of John today. I'm gonna be um, once again in John chapter John chapter 12. Um, also, I got some good news. I'm gonna be starting a new segment of the Guy Freddie Show. It's gonna be um, this day in history. I'm gonna start that on Monday. It's gonna be probably like a five to ten minute video daily. Um, remember, you can find me on your favorite podcast listening sites like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Otherwise, I'll see y'all next week. This is the Guy in the Freedom Show.
so let's um, continue on right here. So, like I said, I mean, again, there's no defense whatsoever of these guys. But they, it was unjustified murder from the beginning. And, like, again, you can go read David's um, piece for yourself. And you, but he lays out a, a really good like, emphasis of why they be, should be charged with murder. But, of course, you know, there are people, like some, like, random people on, on the right... Who are trying to defend these um, folks, these two guys, because they they're claiming that these guys were only doing self-defense because they he charged them. Again, I mean he had every right to charge them because they were coming at him with guns. So I mean, again, again, there's no justification for them even go after him in the first place. So I just don't know how you can actually defend these two guys. And also, at the same time, the media, of course, is trying to spin this to make this about broad, um, nationwide racism and the usual stuff, I mean, honestly, but hopefully, I mean, since, like, there's pretty much all, everybody's condemning these two guys, so it's very unlikely you blow up, like, the Trayvon Martin case, for example, because, I mean, it's pretty clear that this guy was unjustly murdered from the get-go so but thankfully these guys were arrested um yesterday and hopefully you know they'll get a trial and everything and will be hopefully will be trapped tra for murder if there is enough evidence again i mean of course gordon's law they are an essential proven guilty but from the evidence i've seen now they seem they seem to be a case for murder so but we'll see what the trial what the trial says and all that. Alrighty, so let's um, move on in terms of news. Let's get into, into the coronavirus stuff because, yeah, <laughs> we're on like month, like was it month fifty or something like that? No, like I think a month, like two or on this coronavirus stuff and just it's getting ridiculous. And so, of course, you know. Infection rates hasn't gone up, and especially this, we could see a spike coming soon from coronavirus infection rates and death rates because of states starting to reopen. I mean, that was, but that was always known. Everybody knew once we start to reopen, there will be a spike in cases because I mean, everybody has been everybody's been trapped in their homes and not exposing um, people to the virus, even if they have it themselves. So once everything opens and people start going out, there will be it's back in cases. <clears throat> no, no offense or buts. But, and also, in terms of, like, kind of economy news, um, the jobless rates, jobless rates continue to go up and up. I mean, there's now 30 million people are out of work right now. And 30 million unemployment um, number, uh, cases. Which is utterly ridiculous. I mean, just, again, there's no reason for us to even lock down in the first place, I think we should have done what Sweden did just simply protect the nursing homes and protect those who are the most um, vulnerable and let everybody else like go out and expose themselves and get a herd immunity. That's what exactly Sweden is doing, and it's working. I mean, they won't get a second, they won't get a second wave, unlike us. And their number of daily deaths continue to go down as like more people get exposed and develop immunity, immunity to it. And what doesn't make sense is that, why, like, why weren't we, like, protecting the nursing homes from the get-go? I mean, that's where the vast majority of the deaths are coming from, honestly. I mean, the, about 45 to 50% of all deaths here in the United States are coming from, like, nursing homes and people in that age. So, I mean, why in a war were we not protecting them? I mean, for example, in New York, like, going to Cuomo for some stupid reason decided that any like any elderly person who was diagnosed with COVID-19 that they had to be led back into a nursing home which is just stupid and beyond belief like you're letting someone infected with a virus that's deadly to the, all the people in there but you're letting them back in then now then then they infect to other folks in there and so forth so I mean nursing homes should not I mean that, that was just stupid from the beginning I, I don't know why Governor Cuomo did that. 
But in terms of, you know, reopening and everything, you know, states continuing to do that. But again, you know, of course, the left and the media are just all up, up in arms about like saying this is way too soon to reopen and everything. So here is a piece from the New York Times saying the U.S. is nowhere near close to reopening the economy. Experts say. Here's what economics say the United States need to start say the United States needs to start returning to normal amid the coronavirus outbreak and how the economy can survive in the meantime. Again, if we keep locked down like this for an infinite amount of time, we won't be we won't survive. The economy won't survive. How long can we keep this up? It is still very early in the U.S. effort to snuff out a lethal pandemic of shutting down, by shutting down pretty much, down much of the economy. But there is a growing question from workers, the White House, corporate boardrooms, and small business on the brink that hangs over what is essentially a war effort against a virus that has already killed more than 9,000 Americans. There is no good answer yet, in part because we don't even have the data needed to reformulate. Essentially, economists say there won't be a fully functioning econo economy again until people are confident in that they can go about their business without a high risk of catching the virus. Our ability to reopen the economy ultimately depends on our ability to better understand the spread and the risk of the virus, said Betsy Stevenson, a University of Michigan economist who worked on the White House Council of Economic Advisors under President Barack Obama. It's also quite likely that we will need to figure out how to reopen the economy while with a virus remaining a threat. Public health um, experts are beginning to make predi make predictions about the coronavirus veteran race, race will peak. Economic economists are calculated when the cost of continuing to shutter down restaurants, shopping malls, and other businesses, a move that has already pushed some 10 million Americans into unemployment, which is actually 30 million Americans, with uh, out, will outweigh the savings from further efforts to slow the virus once the infection curve is flattened out. Again, by the way, an important note is that the whole, like, the goal of flattening the curve was to stop the hospital system from being overrun. That didn't obviously didn't happen. It was not even close to happening. So, I mean, I just don't understand why we're continuing to stay locked down. And again, like, no, no politicians, like, offering up a solution how we can go about this. Other than saying, oh, see, you want to you want to kill grandma if you want to reopen. You want to, you're a grandma killer. Don't like that. Which is obviously not true, but I mean, again, we can't we can't stay locked down like this. I mean, like I said, we can't stay like this for months on end. Otherwise, this country is going to be in a deep, like deep depression, like worse off than the Great Depression. It's going to be a complete hell. But again, there's it seems to be no politicians offering up solutions to how to go about this. I mean, really. The only people doing this are the people, like, the politicians that are only doing this, sorry, the only politicians doing this are the states that are starting to reopen, but they're reopening responsibly. Like, Georgia is not willingly reopening. They're doing it responsibly, like, having certain restrictions on, you know, places on how to reopen and everything. So I just, I just don't understand the outrage of the states opening. Reopening, and it's important to know also, you know, while it's outrage over, you know, Georgia reopening, Louisiana reopening, Texas reopening. I mean, Colorado and um, doing the same thing, and California starting to do the same thing, as well as New York. But they're going to pray. It's just saying, see, uh, these these brave governors are making the hard decisions and all that, but. While then Governor Kemp is doing the same exact thing, and he's saying, "See, he wants to murder uh, black people, and he wants to murder Georgians. He's a monster, or whatever. Just, it's stupid, so stupid." <laughs> but here, and, 
And speaking of stupidity, here's another stupid piece. This is from The Guardian about Georgia's reopening efforts. So here, okay, this is just a, a stupid title in itself. Georgia's, um, Georgia's COVID-19 reopening pits white governor against black mayors. African-Americans count for 54% of the state's known COVID-19 deaths, while the Landis mayors unveils her own reopening council. So this is like basically the media trying to make it to where oh, so Governor Kemp does a, is only doing this to kill off the black people or something like that, something stupid like that, which is not the case. On Monday, Governor Georgia's Governor Brian Kemp announced his decision to reopen the state for business, non-essential businesses, including including tattoo parlors, hair salons, and movie theaters and bowling alleys, will be authorized to reopen Friday from Friday if they follow social distancing orders. Again, that right there is misleading in itself. They were not authorized to reopen. I mean, they weren't forced to reopen. They had a choice. He's, he, the governor kept explicitly said that you have, you can reopen if you choose to do so while following social distancing guidelines. And he saw like plain nail salons and tattoo parlors doing this. Again, a lot of those places are already pretty sanitized already, especially tattoo parlors. And there's definitely ways to go about that while, you know, doing being vigilant and taking precautions. But I believe like tattoo parlors already wear a mask. I could be wrong about that. I mean, actually, I'm not sure. I mean, I do got it too. I just can't remember if my guy artist had a mask on or not, but he had, definitely had gloves on. But definitely now they have masks. And then probably, you know, keeping people distance from other people, distance from each other, and probably, you know, cleaning the areas as much their stations as much as they can, and then having their customers wear masks and gloves too, and sanitizing. So with those, with those precautions, they should be okay. They should be perfectly okay. It continues right here. In a state where African Americans make up more than 32% of the population but account for an estimated 54% of known coronavirus deaths, the decision pitted a white Republican mayor against mostly black Democratic mayors and critics. Again, the reason for this is not because it's the garage is targeting black people. It's because I mean, it's going to areas, the most popular areas in the city, and that's where most of the African-American population in Georgia is um, settled at. And because it's the most like heavily like, in fact, in the high spots here in Georgia is definitely in Fulton County, which is where Atlanta sits. And then you got Cobb, Cobb, Cobb County, um, um, DeKalb County, and Gwinnett is, I guess, considered a hot spot. But it's definitely not as bad as um, Fulton County. And then as you spread out throughout the state, it's definitely gets less, less and less prevalent. And also, there's actually some counties where I've not seen any cases at all. And that's probably the most, more like unpopulated state or counties. By trying, by trying to push a false opening of the economy, you risk putting more lives in danger. Stacey Abrams, the Democrat who lost to Kemp in a controversial election in 2018, citing the close contact needed for agreement services, Abrams said there is nothing about the measure that makes sense. Again, there are plenty of ways to go about that service while taking precautions, you know, sanitizing, wearing gloves and masks and all that. There's plenty, plenty of that. So basically the goal of this, of this piece is basically trying to pit Governor come against his, um, against his like other mayors and basically pit white Republicans against blacks right here. It's too, again, I doubt if Hillary Clinton was president, I doubt we will be getting this right here. I doubt we even heard of this virus at all. I just, I just have my doubts about that. But again, it just, it's just ridiculous that this tells you just how that the virus is not as deadly as people will make it out to be because there's just it's so divided, so politically divided right now about it. But the problem is that, again, no one is offering a proper solution to, like, where we go from here. I mean, other than, like, 
there's the only proper solution is to, you know, safely reopen and like slowly, you know, do it step by step, but do it, you know, not too quick, but you know, reopen as we go, like just reopen certain business as we go through each phase, and that's what President Trump outlined in his um, multiple phase reopening strategy. But I mean, the people who are pro lockdown, they they don't want they don't. They keep claiming that we don't, we can't, we gotta wait for like a vaccine or a therapeutic to come out, which could take years for that to come out. So they want to be in lockdown for years on end, which is not gonna happen. I'm sorry, not gonna happen at all. People are not gonna be up for that whatsoever. They're gonna be massive on civil unrest and they're gonna disobey these orders right here. So we'll see what happens with there. But. Twitter is just a beta pile of dog poop in terms of this too, like, so seriously, again, like I said earlier about Andrew Cuomo, like, and Andrew Cuomo, like, he's doing the exact same thing, like, you know, what Florida's doing, what Georgia's doing, and everything, but he's getting praised, and those other governors are doing, and the Georgia and Florida governors are being shellacked over it. So here's a great, like, tweet from Ben Shapiro, like, about this. If you doubt the power of the press, recognize that Governor Ron DeSantis, DeSantis handled the COVID-19 in Florida excellent, in excellent fashion, while Governor Andrew Cuomo handled it near, nearly as bad as humanly possible, yet DeSantis has dropped polls and Cuomo has hide his popularity. It's also important to point out that Governor Cuomo just now, a couple of days ago, ordered to close the subways and to clean them. After 115 years, apparently, of them being cleaned. Which is probably not, I mean, they've probably been cleaned every once in a while, but seriously, they should have been closed a long time ago. That's been the chief, like, arbiter of the spread of the virus in New York City, so there's no reason why they should open in the first place. <laughs> He's right, exactly right. Governor Cuomo, like, handled this horribly, 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 horribly. But, of course, he's going to try much as possible to blame President Trump for it, even though it is, it is his state. He gave power, President Trump gave the power to, the power to decide to how to handle their certain situation. Which is how it shouldn't, that's how federalism works. I mean, you can't treat the whole entire country like New York City, you just, you just can't. So that's why a nationwide lockdown never made, never made sense. But, I mean, again, just... I don't know, just, people are just making just so many bad things arguments, saying if you're pro-opening up, you want to wanna kill grandma, and also some people um, want to reopen willy-nilly without any precautions, and throwing out many conspiracy theories and stupid conspiracy theories and, and all that. But, uh, anyways, well, I mean, it's, I don't know. I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired of this coronavirus stuff, guys. I'm just. I'm really am. It just. It just continues to drag on and on and on. So, but I think that's all I'm just going to talk about in terms of the coronavirus right now. For right now, let's see. Next week. But anyways, um, let's continue. Let's go um to scripture right now. It's just kind of. Remember, we're going to be in John chapter twelve. We're going to be starting from verse 20. And remember, you can follow me along if you want, and I'll be the New Living Translation. Jesus predicts his death. Some Greeks who had come had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration said of it, paid a visit to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. They said, Sir, we want to meet Jesus. Phil told Andrew about, about it, and they went together to ask Jesus. Jesus replied, Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. I'll tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the souls and dies, it remains alone. But his death were to produce new, many new kernels, a plentiful harvest for new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who are caring care nothing for the life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me. 
because my servants must be where I am, and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray? Father, save me from this hour. But this is the very reason I can. Father, bring glory to your name. Then a voice spoke from heaven, saying, I have already brought glory to my name, and I would do so again. When the crowd heard the voice, some thought it was a thunder, while others declared it was an angel had spoken to him. Then Jesus told them, The voice was for your benefit, not mine. The time for judging this world has come. But when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out, and when I am lifted up from the earth, and I will draw everyone to myself. He said this. He said this to indicate how he was going to die. The crowd responded, we, we understand from scripture that Messiah would live forever. How can you say the Son of Man will die? Just who was the Son of Man anyway? Jesus replied, My light will shine for you just a little longer. Walk in the light while you can, and the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in the darkness cannot see where they are going. Put your trust in the light while there is still time. Then you will become children of the light. After saying these things, Jesus went away and was sent from them. <clears throat> So yeah, that's a, so that's from verse you know, twenty to thirty six, and it's a really good passage. Like basically, Jesus, um, one of his first like predictions of like, how he's gonna die, and everything. So it's very, very interesting. Very <coughs> sorry. <clears throat> anyway. So next we're gonna probably finish up. Chapter 12. So we'll see. We'll see you then. Alrighty. So let's um, get to some good stuff and bad stuff of the week. So some good stuff of the, this week. So um, Clone Wars is officially um, done. They actually aired their um, final episode on um, May 4th. May the 4th, which is Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. So... And it was an it was an excellent finale. I mean, honestly, the last four episodes of season seven were fantastic. Like the best piece of Star Wars material to come out in years, probably since I don't know. I mean, I would say almost probably since the originals. I mean, it was that good. So for those who say that yeah, Star Wars is dead, I mean, go watch Clone Wars. Star Wars is far from dead. But here is the final scene. Um, from the final episode of the Clone Wars, it's really it's quite quite interesting. So here's the video right here.
So yeah, that's the ending for Clone Wars right there. And to kind of give you context of what the scene is about, um, here's the spoilers for the scene right here. Basically, after um, Order 66 is declared and uh, Rex um, got his inhibitor chip removed, um, both him and Ahsoka are trying to escape the ship and ends up crashing this planet. And every clone on the, every, every officer, you know, dies except for Ahsoka and Rex. And basically, they like, kind of bury them in the area. And then um, both Rex and Ahsoka fake their death, so they put their uh, Rex put his helmet. She put her lightsabers in the area too. And now it's basically Vader coming up to you know it, coming up to there and like seeing, obviously recognizing that Ahsoka's lightsaber and thinking that she is definitely dead. And yeah, so Anakin's obviously an emotional wreck in this in this scene, so it's very very interesting. But again, like Star Wars is far from dead, I mean, despite what people would say. I mean, yes, the prequel, the sequel trilogy, I mean, was pretty bad. But, uh, but Dave Filoni has done some missing work with the Star Wars, and he should have been in charge of um, of the sequel trilogy. Trilogy, he would have done excellent work with it. But yeah. Yeah, that's Clone Wars right there. There's a lot of good good shows. I mean, fortunately, yeah, Clone Wars is done right now. But, you know, shows like, you know, Lost. So we're watching Lost again. And then um, The Chosen. I mean, the Chosen is just great. I mean, you definitely check out, go check out The Chosen. It's fantastic. Alrighty, so let's get to some Best of the Week. So some Best of the Week, um, to kind of... Uh, yeah, end this episode, episode off with uh, more coronavirus-related stuff. So basically, if you notice on Twitter a couple of days ago, there's this, um, a name called um, so named Bethany Mandel. Her name was uh, trending on Twitter. Why? Because she put out this thread. She had the audacity to put out this thread, thread on Twitter. And here's what the thread said. Remember when we were told we had to flatten the curve and we locked down for a few weeks to ramp up PPE and free of ventilators or else we start, well, we'd start to have, um, we'd have to start death panels. When did that turn into an indefinite lockdowns and economic destruction because it, if it saves one life? This isn't about greed, it's survival. People can't buy food or pay rent or mortgages. Small businesses are closing dentists and doctors are going into the red. Schools are going to start closing and this this is the destruction of a society we're talking about. There will be no pedestrians or general doctor, pediatricians or general doctor, doctors or physical therapists or nursing or nurses or home health aides. No dentists, no zoos, aquariums, no private schools, no restaurants or caterers, no hairdressers, no or nail technicians, no gyms, no summer camps or daycares. We never had a vent ventilator shortage. My local um, pedia my local pediatric ER converted to COVID ward now in now since empty. What are we waiting for, waiting on here? I didn't like. To, I I didn't genuinely like an answer, a vaccine because if that's it. Our, our society will be absolutely wrecked in the meantime. Alrighty, so sorry about the random cut. Um, apparently my video once again stopped uh, randomly, and I had to delete some other files because it ran out of space. So that's fun stuff. Very fun stuff, uh, but uh, let's continue where I actually left off because I actually had to finish. I finished the video. I thought I finished the video. I'd go back saying, "Oh wait, I didn't." It stopped middle of my when I was talking. But where was I? Okay, I was on this tweet right tweet right here. You can call me Grandma Killer. I'm not sacrificing my home, my food on, on the table. All of our docs and dentists, every form of pleasure, museums, zoos, and restaurants, all my kids, teachers, in order to make other people comfortable. If you want to stay locked down, do. I'm not. Doesn't mean it won't be done responsibly. 
but I am just, I'm just, I'm done. I feel, I, I feel lied to about the terms of this lockdown, and I regret ever trusting that it would ever, it would be done responsibly. But of course, you know, there was massive outrage over this thing. I heard her tweet, there was like her, again, once again, like I said, was a, her name was Trina on Twitter along with the grandma killer. And here's some just tweets from the whole thread right here. This whole thread is evidence that those who are being asked to sacrifice the least are behaving like the most aggrieved. Take your privilege for once in your life. Sorry, I'm just scrolling some tweets to find some, it just, you know. <laughs> Here's some guy named Joe Lockhart. You're a grandma killer, yes, but you're also a nurse killer, a doctor killer, a cop killer, a grocery clerk killer, a student killer, a five-year-old killer, a five-year-old five killer, a bus driver killer, a father who kill, a father killer who just had a child killer, a family killer, a good, good people take care of the community. So that's fun. So they're calling her pretty much a murderer for saying that she wants this country to reopen. So that, this is kind of bad faith. Our group's not talking about the people calling you killers and murderers because you dare to want to reopen this country for, for responsibly. Even though there's some evidence saying that lockdowns never really worked in the first place. <sighs> Alright, we'll see what happens. So I think that's all I have for this episode. So I'll be back here next week with all the latest. My name is Sean Clinton and this is the Guy in Freedom Show. If you enjoyed this episode of the God in Freedom Show, hit that like button and follow the page to get more content. You can also find me on your favorite podcast listening sites like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Thank you for listening or watching.